So um, if you are in a new person tonight, um, I'm only going to be here for two more weeks, and you'll, you won't see me again. This is not normal, and nor am I. Uh, so you should know that right off the bat. You can go to the first slide. I want you to imagine that you have a gigantic zit on your face. Actually, no, I'm not going to start there. I'm going to review. <sighs> Starting over. Okay, um, all right, so I want to catch you up to speed. That's what I want to do first. So um, if you haven't been here, uh, here is five minutes of what I've spent um, about an hour and a half talking about for the last two weeks. So um, first, we talked about the history and background of Islam. Islam is a religion. Muslims are people. You remember that? I said that several... Okay, Islam is a religion. Muslims are people. You probably can't say those words correctly. I've said that. Good job. I've been saying it a lot to you. Um, okay, so uh, so we talked about the history and background. Now, Muhammad is uh, is the uh, considered by Muslims. He's the prophet, um, their prophet, who gave them the Quran, which is their holy book. Um, and they have. That's basically. I'm going to tell you about the history and background. So you're welcome. Um, school is out for summer. Uh, school's out forever. Um, for me, uh, has been for a lot of years, and I don't even understand summer anymore. Okay, so then, okay, so Muslims believe five basic things, and they do five basic things, and so I'm going to review them for you, okay? So the first one is that they believe that there's one God. <coughs> this is funny, because I thought I wasn't, wasn't going to have a cough. That's why I bought Wafina. Um, okay, so they believe in one God. They believe in the uh, the Oh, well, let's see. What's the next one? Angels and demons and jinn. Do you guys remember the picture of the genie? Um, jinn are half human, half spirit beings that interact with this world, and they usually do bad things or use bad things that you do against you later. They don't actually exist necessarily. So just if you're in seventh grade, don't worry about them, okay? Uh, then... Um, the next thing is they believe in the holy books. The holy books of Islam are the Old Testament. We'll just make it really easy. The Old Testament, the Psalms, the New Testament, and the Quran. Okay, so that makes our Bible and their book are the holy books of Islam. Although Muslims don't believe that they should read our book because they're told that we have changed our book. So they don't read it, which is unfortunate. The next thing is they believe in... Prophets. Prophets are men of God that speak the words of God to the people of God. Okay? And their seven major prophets are Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, Jesus, and Muhammad. Okay? Did you get that? Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, Jesus, and Muhammad. It's pretty good. I know you're impressed by that every time. Um, okay, so <clears throat> six out of those seven, I think you have heard before Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, Jesus. Um, okay, and then the next uh, is they believe in Judgment Day. Judgment Day is a day where God is going to decide between your good deeds and your bad deeds. It's kind of like there's a scale, and if your good deeds are way further down, you really hope that you're going to go to heaven. And if your evil deeds are really far down, you really hope that God changes his mind and lets you go to heaven. Um, okay, so those are the five beliefs. The five things that they do is they, um, they say something out loud. It's there's no God but God. Muhammad is his messenger. When you say that in the presence of a Muslim, they, um, you are a Muslim then. Um, then the next thing, do you remember I told a story about how I might be 
Muslim? I'm not. Um, I'm a Christian. Uh, <clears throat> the next thing is they pray. They're supposed to pray five times a day. Um, most don't. Uh, there's uh, fasting, which is a month long, 40 days actually, which is more than a month. It's a month and 10 days, typically, or nine, or if it's February, 10. Uh, 12. 12. Or if it's a leap year, 11. Okay. Uh, I've, February is kind of like an afterthought. Anyone else? It's kind of like, what month? Oh, it's March. Um, it's January. Oh, back to school. Then there's what? And then there's March. Um, that's February. Okay. So anyway, that's beside the point. Back to the point. Ramadan is a month of fasting and feasting. Um, there's, you fast from absolutely everything you could possibly think of, not just food, and then you feast like crazy at night. So it's during the day you fast from everything and you feast like crazy at night. Um, if you do this for the whole 40 days, you get a good deed on your good deed side and it weighs down and you hope that God lets you go to heaven. Um, then there is giving... Um, tithes or our offerings, kind of like you did tonight, uh, 2.5% or 5%. We talked about that. And then the last is pilgrimage. You see that? I saw it. There's a light reflecting on spit that just went on you. Uh, <laughs> pilgrimage or traveling to Mecca, which is the holy city of Islam. I know that's not enough, but that's a review. That's where we're at, okay? And we're not going to talk about any of that tonight. So now that you've fallen asleep already, you can wake back up because I want you to imagine that you have a zit on your cheek. <clears throat> a gigantic zit on your cheek. Not just any zit. The kinds of zits I had when I was in high school on my cheek. The kind that I would pop or try to pop way too soon, and then I get this gigantic scab on my cheek, and then I would pick that scab and it'd bleed everywhere, and then just get a bigger scab. I want you to imagine you have that kind of disgusting zit on your cheek, okay? Now, imagine you have this disgusting zit on your cheek, gigantic, you don't want to look anyone in the eye. Because if you don't look anyone in the eye, you don't know if they are looking at your eyes or your cheek. So you just look down. You don't make eye contact because you, if you do make eye contact, you might see that that person's talking to your zit and not to you. You know what I'm talking about? So they're focused totally on the zit and not on you. So you're kind of trying to hide that. Now I want you to imagine now, girls specifically in this case, which is kind of funny, you're kind of segregated and then there's some girls back there. Imagine that you're a Muslim woman and you are either told by your husband, your father, or your religion that you need to cover your head every day in public, okay? So you are dressed like this. You're walking around and you have this head covering on. You're at Walmart. You're at the grocery store. Imagine what that might feel like. I think it might feel like walking around with a gigantic zit on your face. The reason is you know that you don't look like everyone else. You might notice that Muslim women, you probably don't because you might not have ever seen one in public. But if you do, you might notice that they aren't really making much eye contact with you. It's A, it's cultural, but the, the second thing is it's just feeling uncomfortable in public. I don't know if you can relate to that in any way, but I want you to think about a story. So my wife, she's really cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to make sure that she listens to the podcast whenever it's on your website just to hear that. My wife, she's really cool. Uh, we were at the grocery store. We live in Peoria. Um, we were at Shop and Save. It used to be Cub Foods, not Shop and Save. doesn't matter. 
Um, it doesn't matter. So we were shopping for groceries at the grocery store. It's what most people go to the grocery store for. Sometimes we just go for bananas, but most of the time we go for everything we need, that we need. Actually, half the time. The other half the time, we're just getting the few things that we thought we got the first time. Anyone? No? Okay. So um, we're shopping, and there's a woman in the aisle, and she's completely covered. She looks like this, only she's black. She's not pale. Um, and she's She's shopping for food. It's during the month of Ramadan. So it's during the day, during the month of Ramadan, she's fasting from food and she's shopping for food. I don't know if you can imagine what that's like, but it's awful, okay? So she can't eat and she's shopping for the meal for her family that night, all by herself in the aisle. And we're walking by, kids in the cart, you know, shopping. And uh, I spot this woman in the, in the aisle. I'm like, Jessie, that's my wife's name. I was like, you gotta go say hi. And she's like, I don't know, I don't know. And I was like, no, seriously, you have to. Um, this is after we got back from Jordan. We know Muslims. We love Muslims. We want to say hello to Muslims when we see them. So I kind of forced her to go say hello to this woman. So I'm walking, and I'm, now I'm pushing the cart with the kids. and just kind of pacing back and forth because, culturally speaking, men can't talk to women in Islam. So I wasn't going to have the conversation, so I'm just walking back and forth with my kids in the cart, acting like I'm shopping for beans. And I don't even eat beans. Okay, and so <coughs> Jesse goes up to the woman. She says, "Assalamu alaikum," which is the greeting in Arabic, which says, "Peace of God be with you." It's a good greeting. It's nice. Or peace be with you. And she goes like <laughs> completely caught off guard because she's never probably been talked to in public by a strange white woman, and especially in Arabic. And she goes, "Wa alaikum assalam," which is the response, which means, "And also with you." Have you ever said that in church before? Peace be with you and also with you. Anyway, it's something that um, some people say sometimes. <coughs> and so she says, um, wa alaikum assalam. And then she asks my wife in Arabic, do you speak Arabic? And my wife knows enough Arabic to say a little bit, to say the word a little bit in Arabic in order to steer the conversation to English. So she says, shway, <laughs> which is Arabic. Shway, can you say that? It means I speak a little bit of Arabic. Um, and so they started talking in English. She found out that this woman taught at the Islamic school in Peoria. She was like a kindergarten teacher, something like that. Her name was Thwaiba. She teaches at the Islamic school in Peoria. Um, the reason I tell you this story, that's all. It was just a conversation. My wife said hello. Three weeks later, my wife, not knowing this at the time that she talked to Thwaiba, my wife got a job, substitute teaching, long-term, at the Islamic school. So I want you to think about this, especially girls. Girls are very important. Very, very important in this whole thing. Um, my wife is awesome, like I told you, okay? Now, she would have been this awesome American Christian woman who's teaching at the Islamic school. Thwaiba would have met her there and thought she was great. Okay? A guarantee, because my wife's awesome. Okay? But... What happened is my wife is now not just the white American Christian girl that now teaches at the Islamic school. She is the white American Christian girl who teaches at the Islamic school who also said hello to me three weeks ago at the grocery store. That's a big difference. See, now she's not just someone arbitrary. She's someone who I have a relationship with already. You never know when you're going to run into the person that you say hello to somewhere else. You never know. So my encouragement, especially to you girls, because it's easier to identify Muslim women than Muslim men, because Muslim men just kind of dress like you. 
It's kind of like they're in junior high, uh, high school. Um, I'm just kidding, they don't, unless they're in junior high or high school. Um, Muslim women, if they're covered, they're easy to identify, and I want to encourage you to say hello. It might change everything for them. They might never have had anyone say hello to them. That's my introduction to what we're talking about tonight. So, um, <coughs> next slide. What comes to mind when you hear the word evangelism? Anyone? Angels. Okay. It's in the word. You guys always catch me off guard with your answers. I love it. What comes to mind when you think of the word evangelism? Anyone? Have you ever heard the word evangelism? You have no idea. You got blank. It's just like, I just hear the word evangelism. I don't know. Jeff, what are you getting at? Lydia. Telling people about Jesus. What do you think? Okay. All right. The, the word evangelism means to share or to tell good news. Okay? It's telling good news. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit what evangelism is not. And I think there's a, evangelism is not dot, dot, dot. Um, those are called ellipses. I went to junior high. I think I learned that in junior high. These are called ellipses. I love them because it implies something else is coming. So what evangelism is not, and this is a challenge, and I know it's challenging, evangelism is not mostly sharing bad news, which it often is. Evangelism is sharing good news. That's what it means. It means to share good news. So to, share, to call evangelism telling someone right off the bat, you are going to hell, it starts off with bad news, which is okay. I think that's how we're taught, but I don't think that that's good news. It's, bad. it's certainly bad news. You're going to hell is bad news, right? Yeah. yeah, it's bad news. Okay, so evangelism is not mostly bad news. It's not something that you can do wrong. I want you to hear that too. Evangelism is not something you can do wrong, and it's not something you should feel pressured about, awkward about, get sweaty like this about, okay? <laughs> You should get sweaty about this kind of thing, like in front of people, but not evangelism. The reason, thank you, the reason is um, we do this all the time. Now, I asked a few people to give me examples of some things that they got, gifts, good things that they were given that changed their lives. I wasn't compelled by any of them. I apologize. Um, so I want, to, I want to evangelize you right now. I'm going to show, show you what I mean by evangelism. Have you ever heard of Spotify? Raise your hand if you've heard of it. Yes. Spotify. Okay. I really like music, and I have heard of Spotify. This is context. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm at church one day. Church is over, and my friend, his name is Daniel Beers, Dr. Daniel Beers. He's a teacher at Knox College. Um, he started evangelizing me to get Spotify. Okay? This is what he said to me. He's like, we're talking about music or something at home. And I'm like, you know, I don't really listen to much music at home. I don't have any, anything to listen to it with, you know. And he's like, well, do you have Spotify? And I was like, I mean, I know about Spotify. What Spotify is, Daniel tells me, is that you can, for $10 a month, now it's a free service, you can get it and listen to advertisements, but for $10 a month, you can have access to every single album that has ever been put out by anyone in the history of mankind for $10 a month, always. You just listen to it. It's like you own it, but you don't. 
is you don't have to buy all of those CDs. You just have them on the internet. How cool is that? I'm like, this is good news. That's awesome. I need Spotify. I was convinced that I need Spotify, right? So then I tell Daniel, well, I don't really have anything. Like, that's a really good service and everything, but I don't have, like, an iPod dock in my house that I can plop my phone onto and listen to the music. So I would listen to it in those little small speakers on my laptop, which isn't exciting for me because I don't have the necessary equipment to listen to Spotify right now. And I was like, it's also, it's $10 a month. And you might not know this, but when you get to be old, like me, 31, um, $10 a month is a lot of money. Um, and I'm sure it sounds like a lot of money to you too, but it's a lot of money. Still, <laughs> it's funny. I'm an adult with a job, two of them. And $10 a month is a lot of money. Okay, so I'm like, I think this is great. I want to do it. I want to get Spotify, and someday I might get Spotify, but I'm not going to do it today, even though I think it's good, and I want to tell other people about it. How many of you want to get Spotify someday, just from what I just said? It's free on the computer. It's free on the computer. You can do that, too. You have advertisements, but it's free. Yeah, you can do it. Daniel Beers evangelized me on Spotify. He told me good news that would change my life, and he was right, and I decided that I wasn't ready for it yet. Think about that. I'm going to read something. I gave you that much time to think. We are evangelistic people. People. Kids. Students. Kids, sorry. Wrong word. Students. We are evangelistic people. We tell people about good things that have changed our lives. If we got our driver's license or a car when we turned 16, or we got a Wii that's red, a red Wii, yeah. We tell people about things that we have that we think are good that our friends should have or should want to have. We do that, right? Do you do that? Do you tell people like, oh my gosh, have you heard the new album? Blah, 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 it changed my life. You heard the new song on the radio? Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, have you heard, do you do that? Are you, do you? Yes or no? Do you do that? Okay. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. We're going to read the Bible now. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't have your Bibles, you can feel free not to. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. It's going to be a miracle if I get through everything today. I'm point number four out of like 23. <sighs> For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Don't get confused if you're just listening, just kind of listen. And he, Jesus, died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, he, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. He says it twice. 
That's important when he says it twice. When the Bible says things twice in a row, it's important. The message and ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I want to ask you a question. If you know, what does an ambassador for the American government, so this is going to be like juniors and seniors here, what does an ambassador do? Do you know? <laughs> She's like sinking down. <laughs> they actually go to other countries, yes. Okay. Does anyone know the answer to this question? It's a yes or no question. Can ambassadors make people citizens of their home country? So say I'm, before you answer, it's a yes or no question, but say I'm an ambassador from the United States and I'm going to go to Russia to be the ambassador. What I do is I am told by the president of the United States what I'm supposed to say and probably what I'm not supposed to say. And I go to that country and I work in the embassy. That's where they're, embassy suites. I don't work in an embassy suites. There's actually an American embassy. Um, I go and I, I work in an embassy and I talk to government leaders about what the United States would like for them to do. Does an ambassador have the power to make a Russian person in Russia a citizen of the United States? No, they don't. All they do is they go on behalf of the United States government and they tell whatever they're supposed to tell, okay? That's what an ambassador does. They speak on behalf of someone else. If we are Christ's ambassadors, who do we speak on behalf of? Christ, yes. Do we have the power to make anyone citizens of heaven? No, if we are ambassadors, if that's what our job is, what we do is we speak the words of Christ to people who haven't heard the words of Christ. We do not make people citizens of heaven. God does that. When you think about evangelism as simply sharing good news about Jesus and not, I really hope I don't screw things up and my friend goes to hell. I think we think that sometimes. I think that we go into this conversation all awkward and sweaty and we whisper Jesus, Jesus. Like we're talking and we say Jesus. Like hush it because Jesus is scary to talk about. And because we think that our friends are going to go to hell if we do it wrong. And that's not true. It's not fair and it's not your responsibility. I want you to hear that. I want you to hear it over and over again. It's going to be on the podcast. Listen to that sentence over and over again. It's not your responsibility for your friends to get to heaven. Your job is to know what Jesus said, who he is, and tell that to everyone else. You sang it. You sang the good news tonight. Your job is to share it. And that's it. It's really important. It's really, really important. If that's our job, I have some questions. Who did Jesus love? You are great. Everyone. Yes. These are easy questions. Who did Jesus heal? 
who was hurt? Who asked for help? Yeah, correct. It's more like everyone, kind of everyone. I like everyone. Who did Jesus have as friends? Disciples. Who else? Anyone? Well, maybe we'll get here. What was Jesus' reputation amongst people? What did people call Jesus? What was his, like, nickname? Not Messiah. When he was alive, he was called friend of sinners, okay? And he was also called a drunkard. Um, I don't, <laughs> probably unfair, uh, but he was called a drunkard, an alcoholic. Uh, that was his reputation. I don't know what that means. I just know that's what the Bible says. Um, who did Jesus die for? Mm-hmm. You're right, everyone. Um, <clears throat> who does Jesus want to come to know him, his love, his sacrifice, and his power over death? Everyone. Because Jesus is for everyone, and Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is for everyone, and he is for for everyone. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that's Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 3.17 says, which you might not read very often, for Christ did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Jesus is for everyone, and Jesus is for everyone. Four attitudes of an ambassador. Isn't this so much different than it's been the last two weeks? Oh my goodness. Okay, four attitudes of an ambassador. They're going to be up here. Loving. <coughs> I'm going to perfect this. Um, feedback. That's pretty cool. For those of you listening to the podcast, that was me covering the microphone with one hand and speaking through my nose with the other hand. <laughs> it's not possible. Okay, so loving. Um, the first attitude is loving. I think that's kind of self-explanatory, so I'm not even going to get into anything because I don't want to bog you down with details. Second one is friendly. This is different than loving because friendly means not being critical. If you are an ambassador for Jesus to Muslims, Here's some advice. Do not criticize Muslims or Muslim beliefs. I want you to think about, so, okay, uh, what's your name? You, in the orange shirt with a ghetto car, Wendy. If, if someone, this might not work, okay? Because just work with me here on this. Actually, that's what I want you to do, because I know you can't. Okay, if someone at school, or everyone, let's say everyone at school has an awesome car, and you're driving around in your garbage car, okay? She, she told me that it's not that awesome, okay? So if everyone else had awesome cars, and you had a garbage car, and somebody said, Wendy, what is your problem? Your car is so stupid. What a loser. We're not going to hang out with you. What does that do? To you, how do you feel? I'd be sad. Would you be sad? Now, would you defend your car? Oh yeah. You defend your car. You'd say, "Hey, it's, it gets me from point A to point B." Um, sometimes, 
And you probably laugh about it because it doesn't mean that much. I want you to consider something. Have you ever heard of your mom joke? <clears throat> I'm not going to tell you any. Sorry. I want you to consider something because some people take your mom jokes so seriously. Do you know those people? Yeah. Don't say anything about my mom. Are you kidding me? Right? Exactly. Them's fighting words. I want you to think about this. So there's a guy, his name is Mazhar Maluhi, and he's confusing, so I'm not going to tell you his background. But this is what he says. He, he follows Jesus, and he's from a Muslim background. Okay? He says, Islam is my mother. This is what happens when a, a baby is born into Islam. So a Muslim family has a baby. They whisper, there's no God but God. Muhammad is his prophet into the, the baby's ears immediately, right? Makes him a Muslim. He says, because of this, he says, Islam is my mother. Now, think about your mom. Now, I'm thinking about my mom, so I'm not thinking about your mom, so don't get insulted. Now, <laughs> your mom might have been all that one day in the past. But she might not be all that anymore. She might be kind of getting old, okay? Um, Mazhar says, I, can, I know my mother is ugly, but you can't tell me that because she is not your mother. If you tell me my mother is ugly, I'm going to want to fight you, even if she is ugly. <laughs> and I know she's ugly. He's saying Islam is ugly. I know that. But as a Muslim, you can't come at me and say your religion is stupid and false and demonic. Because what happens, I'm telling you, what happens in a person is it shoots up a wall and they want to fight over it. It doesn't cause a bridge to be built that you want to talk. Let's talk about how demonic my religion is. It doesn't work that way. Don't argue. The next one, bridging. Take the similar concepts in Islam and Christianity and build a bridge hopefully to walk with your Muslim friend along that bridge to talk about Jesus, Jesus being an excellent bridge between Islam and Christianity. And the last one is to be biblical. Always use the Bible because the Bible is the book that you know, and it's one of their holy books. And give a Muslim a Bible. When you have a Muslim friend, give them a Bible. Offer it to them. Don't be afraid. Most of the time, they will accept it and read it. And that's the, that's the risk that you take. Your Muslim friend might actually read it and then ask you questions. And then they ask you questions that you don't know the answers to. That's a risk. So I want to go through some stuff. Um, and I, have, I tell myself I've got less than 10 minutes because I don't like going right to the very end. But this is good stuff. So in order to be biblical... We have to understand who Jesus is in the Bible. Does that make sense? Just true-ish, true enough statement. So I'm going to go through um, the six, five, the five, because I'm not going to, I'm ex five of the major prophets of Islam, Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, and show you how Jesus connects to their stories, okay? Because God's been writing this big story throughout all of history that Jesus has been a part of from the very beginning. In fact, 
the first one, with Adam. The Bible starts, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Actually, no, that's John chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and the Spirit hovered over the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. That spoken word that God said, let there be light, that's Jesus. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And John chapter 1, chapter, verse 15 says, And the Word became flesh and lived with us. That's Jesus. In Colossians, Paul tells us that, that by Jesus and through Jesus, everything was made that has been made. Jesus is the creative force of the universe. Jesus shows up at the very beginning of the story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus is there. In chapter 3, Adam and Eve eat a fruit. It's actually a tree of knowledge and good and evil fruit. Uh, It's not an apple. It's just the fruit, whatever fruit grows on the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's that fruit. So it's fruit-ish. And they eat this fruit, and God starts cursing everything. (laughs) Curses everything. The serpent who lied to the woman, he curses the woman, he curses the man. And what he says to the serpent, actually what he says to the woman is um, that your seed will bruise the serpent's head and the serpent will bruise his heel. Okay, what does that have anything to do with? Anything. It's a really good question. In First Corinthians... Yes, Romans, anywhere. In the New Testament, it talks about Jesus being the second Adam, how through one man sin entered into the world, and through one man salvation entered into the world. Jesus restores everything. He is that offspring of Adam that bruises and crushes Satan's head. Noah and the ark. Have you heard that story? There's a flood. Everything's destroyed because mankind's thoughts were always evil all the time. That's what the Bible says. The thoughts and intentions of everyone's heart, where it's always awful, always. Genesis chapter 6, look it up. It starts that way. And so God sends a flood and destroys everyone except for this kind of okay family um, that Noah was the dad of. Because later Noah does some really crazy things like one chapter later in the Bible. So anyway. Um, but he builds an ark. Have you seen um, Evan Almighty? Excellent movie. Love it. Okay, so Steve Carell, no, Noah built an ark. That ark saved Noah's family and mankind. Jesus is the ark that saves and can save mankind for all eternity. Jesus is the ark. Abraham, God gives Abraham a blessing. He says that you are blessed to be a blessing, that through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And in Galatians, or Galatians chapter 3, Paul says what I read to Mahmoud, um, if you remember this. For there is neither slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, male nor female, but we're all one in Christ Jesus, heirs according to the promise given to Abraham. Jesus puts that promise 
of blessing on us, but not just a blessing, a blessing to bless the entire world. It's not a blessing to be feeling awesome about it. It's a blessing to make everyone else feel better and awesome about God. There's more. It's up there. I love this stuff. That's why it takes me forever. Okay, so (laughs) Moses, there's things in the desert with the bread and the water and a serpent that he puts up on a stick and everyone who looks at the serpent doesn't get bit by serpents. It's a really weird story. You should read it sometime. Jesus says in John chapter 3 that like the serpent was raised in the desert, so the Son of Man should be lifted up. He's saying like Moses did this, I also need to be lifted up to save everyone, not just Israel, everyone. It's really cool. The Bible's really cool. Okay. I'm going to move on to something completely different. Information time. There are three types of Muslims. First type is cultural. It means they were born into a Muslim family, but they don't necessarily know why they're Muslim beyond that. They don't know much more than what I've already taught you about Islam. They might not like Islam. They might love Islam. Who knows? But they're just born into it. Okay? That's one. It's cultural. The second is a convert. A convert is somebody who, if I were to decide to become a Muslim, I would be considered a convert because I wasn't born into Islam. Just like if you were not born a Christian, but you decided that you were going to follow Jesus and become a Christian, you're a convert. Those people are a little bit more confusing. A really good question to ask them is, why did you become a Muslim? Why did you become a Christian? Okay, awesome. Ask that question to a Muslim. Why are you a Muslim? Okay, it's a great question. And it's really uncomfortable, right? That was really uncomfortable for you. I'm really sorry about that. It'd be really uncomfortable for me if I was sitting there to be asked this and be like, uh, mm, uh, how do I, mm, Jesus, Bible, squirrel? Um, <laughs> the third type are devout. They're, these are people that know what they believe and believe it sincerely, but they will be willing to talk to you about Islam. I'm going to talk to you about approach, an approach, a way of thinking about evangelism. I think that's the last thing. How to think about evangelism. First thing is to pray that God opens the conversation. Don't just jump into like an argument with someone. Anyone. This doesn't have any have to do with Islam necessarily. Just don't just force a conversation about Jesus. Pray that God makes that happen. Um, build a friendship, not a project. I want you to hear this, and this is not just about Muslims, this is about anyone. If any of your friends have become simply just a project of a person that you want to decide to follow Jesus, so they're just someone you're working on, you're praying, you're working on them, I want to encourage you not to do that. Don't make projects out of people. People who are projects, who are being worked on by their friend, know it, and they feel it, and they don't want to have anything to do with it. So don't do it. Be their friend. Whether they love Jesus or they don't. Whether they decide to follow Jesus or they don't. Be their friend for the rest of your life. Just ask it to speak. More than your words will. The last one is to be straightforward. Um, <clears throat> I want to share, you, share with you a story. One more story. Um, so, um, be who you are is, is the challenge with this one. So, before my wife started working at the Islamic school, about a year before, it was my son's first birthday, there was an open house at the Islamic school in Peoria. So we decided to go, because, again, we love Muslims, so we went to meet some. 
Um, so we went to the open house, and we were the only non-Muslims who went to the open house. The reason we knew that is because everyone else at the open house was Muslim. It's pretty easy. That's how we knew that we were the only non-Muslims, because we aren't Muslim. You see how that works? Anyway, so we go, in, we go up to the door, and there's this guy. His name's Muhammad. It's not an ironic name. It's kind of like being named John um, in America. Muhammad. So Muhammad sees us, and he's, he, I've met him before, and I've got a beard, so he recognizes me, and he gets excited that we're there, and he's like, ah, he doesn't know my name, but he's um, a big guy, and he welcomes us in, and he shows us around the school, and then we come to a foyer, kind of like that area over there, and we're kind of standing around talking to a bunch of people, and this guy comes up to me, and he introduces himself as Abdul Karim, um, and I said, that's not how you say your name. You don't have to say that for me just because I'm American. Um, I was just letting him off the hook. Because his name, I told him what his name was, actually. Um, I said, your name's Abdul Karim. That's different than Abdul Karim, right? Abdul Karim. It means servant of the generous one. Don't say your name like that for me. That's what I said to him. He's like, you speak Arabic. And I said, I know enough to know that your name is not Abdul Karim. And the reason that I know that is because I think of Karim Abdul-Jabbar. He was a basketball player. I'm 31. That means something to me. Okay. So anyway, um, I, <laughs> I informed him what his name meant. He asked me where I learned Arabic. I told him that I lived in the Middle East for a while in Jordan. He had family that lives in Jordan, which meant now, because this is the way the culture works, I was Abdul Karim's best friend all of a sudden, because I lived where some of his family lives once. It's kind of cool. So he asked me what I do, and I, I had just started with Crescent Project, which means I hadn't done anything with Crescent Project yet. I just had been thinking about doing this. And I was a caseworker full-time, um, working with foster kids and their families. So this is what I told him. I said, well, I'm a caseworker. I work with foster kids and their families. Kind of like that, because I wasn't really super excited about talking about my job. And I said, but soon I'm hoping to start working with the church to teach them how to follow Jesus better. I took a risk. And he said... Are they going to let you in? And like that, I laughed. Like Eric laughed. He's the only one who laughed. So Abdul Karim asked me if the church was going to let me in to teach them about Jesus. I think that's funny. Where do we find Jesus? Church. So it's kind of funny. Anyway, so I don't know what he meant, but I clarified. I said, I was born into a Christian family. My first Sunday I was alive, I was in church. <laughs> I'm not joking about that. It's true. This is what I told him. I said, but some, one day I decided I was going to follow Jesus out of that. Follow Jesus. Abdul Karim, standing with his Muslim friends, tells me this. He says, I don't think religion has the answer for any of us. I think we all need to figure out what God is asking us to do and do that. Abdul Karim heard me say something about my religion that I was born into and a relationship. And he said, I'm looking for that. My religion's empty too. And no one yelled at him. None of his friends that were Muslim said, hey, Abdul Karim, don't talk like this, or however you think Muslims talk, okay? No one did that. It was like everyone was resonating with this thing that he said, like he said something true. I took a risk. I was straightforward. I told him I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. And he responded by saying, I'm kind of looking for something to follow too. Be straightforward. Be yourself. Here's something that you can do this week. Pray. <laughs> That's really good. 
Um, it was like right when I said pray, I went boom, pray. Um, pray for Muslims to have dreams. Pray for Muslims to meet someone who will talk to them and love them and show them how to follow Jesus. Pray for Muhammad on Monday. Pray for Mahmoud on Tuesday. Pray for Ahmed on Wednesday. And you cover about 75% of Muslim men in the Muslim world. I'm not joking. And it's a really good idea. Ahmed, yeah. Or you might say Ahmed or Ahmad or however they have told you that they say their name because they are lying to you. That's not how they say their name. Um, the second one is atfp.org. This is adoptaterroristforprayer.org, okay? That's what ATFP stands for. Go here, and this guy, I've met him. He's really cool. He has a database of known terrorists, okay? A little bit about them, a picture, a profile picture, and you can click on one and adopt that terrorist to pray for them because Jesus tells us to pray for those who persecute us to love our enemies and pray for those that persecute us. And it's a beautiful way of actually literally doing it. Um, so go there. It's, even if you just want to go there and think that it's, and, and giggle about it, I mean, go there, okay? <laughs> I giggled about it, okay? Um, I was like, this is so funny. And then I clicked on a guy that had a smile and I accidentally adopted him. And now I have to pray for him. So um, the last one, that's our website. There's, a, there's an email that we send out on Fridays that... Um, just kind of reminds you to pray for Muslims. It's called the Friday Call to Prayer. If you can figure out how to navigate the website, um, you can get signed up on that. And that's an inside joke for me and Crescent Project, not for you. Um, so I want to pray for you, and then uh, we'll be done. I went four minutes over, and I apologize, but I hope that that's okay with you. Okay, let's pray. <coughs> God, we thank you that you have written an amazing story that we are a part of, and that Jesus has always been the point of the story in the past, now, in our lives, and in the future. That's awesome. Thank you. God, I ask that you will help us figure out how to be human and loving towards our friends and not be afraid to talk about Jesus, but to know that they're not going to go to hell if we say something wrong. God, we ask that you will use us to bring the people that we love the most into this kingdom that you are building. I thank you for being so good. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.